Hello, and welcome to the Social Speak Network podcast. My name's Caitlin McDonald, and I'm the co-founder over here at Social Speak, and we are so excited for this episode. Today, we'll be interviewing Shane Barker. Shane is a digital marketing consultant who specializes in influencer marketing, product launches, sales funnels, targeted traffic, and website conversions. He has consulted with Fortune 500 companies, influencers with digital products, and a number of A-list celebrities. So let's give Shane a warm welcome to the podcast. Well, Shane, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. To kick things off, how about you tell us a little bit about your background in digital marketing? Yeah, so I was, I've been in the digital space for I'm, I'm gonna always in denial. I think I, this was probably a few years ago. I said maybe 12 years with my wife finally was walking by me one day and she goes, you know, you've been doing this for like 20 years. And I guess it's because I don't want to get older. So I'm trying to be in denial about my experience. But of course, when you get to 20 years, you want to talk about your experience. So yes. I've been in the digital space for almost 25 years at this point um, and started off doing, you know, SEO before it was even SEO and just kind of putting websites up and um, had worked with, uh, you know, if you're, back in the day it was called Get a Freelancer, but now it's freelancer.com. So I was on there really finding people to uh, partner with. And I was in the digital space, but I wanted to, knew that I was better at you know, project management and finding the right people to do certain things. And of course, through that whole journey, I've learned a lot in that process last 25 years between SEO and building websites and driving traffic and converting traffic and now really heavy in the influencer space. Um, it's been a fun, fun journey. And like I said, it's been one of those things. It's like, I just can't believe it's already been 25 years. It's kind of crazy. It is so crazy how time just flies. Yeah, I was first introduced to digital marketing, gosh, right when Google AdWords was coming out and it was, what is this? How do we get found? And um, just kind of rolling with it. So I love <laughs> love how much more defined it's been, but still it's the Wild West. <laughs> it really is. That's the thing I love about it is that there's always new stuff to learn. There's like every day, like influencer marketing, we're going to touch on that today. I, the client that came to me and asked, she goes, I need social media marketing. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And we started doing this thing. Before it was called influencer marketing, it was just people with a great social media following. So you know, you just never know. I mean, we start doing some stuff, and then somebody dubs a name, and then that's the name of it, and now you're doing it. So it's it's interesting for sure. Exactly. Well, actually, let's just jump right on into influencer marketing. Um, can you give a brief, brief, <laughs> twenty thousand foot view of what influencer marketing entails, and then also how it's changed over time? Because you were there right when it started. And then now it's really a defined space. Um, and so I'd love to hear kind of your, your view on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, influencer marketing is really getting your product or service and finding somebody that has um, a community and has influence over a community. So, and that can be on Instagram, it can be Snapchat, it can be a blogger, it can be a reporter. I mean, there's a number of different things that define what an influencer is. Um, that term is constantly changing. In fact, the influencer was just, I was interviewed by Adweek because they want to interview mm -hmm. me about that actually influencer being a word in the dictionary now. So it, it actually, it's, it's official. Once you've made it to the dictionary, it's things happen, right? Big things happen. So, yeah. um, you know, influencers, it's, it's changed over the last few years because um, in the beginning, like anything else, it was, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. And so it wasn't really, it wasn't known as influencer marketing. It was known as just, you know, somebody is, you're saying, hey, I have this product or this service. And I think your audience would be good for this. Hey, let's work out some kind of a deal. I'll give you free product, I'll pay you for it, or we can work out an affiliate relationship, something like that, um, and the influencer agrees to it. 
Um, and it really was, and it still is a little bit of the wild, wild west, but back mm -hmm. then it was really the wild, wild west. And we had influencers who were asking for like crazy amounts of money. And, and, you know, a lot of brands were giving that amounts of money because it, it made sense because there wasn't tons of people doing it. And so some of these early people on, and I, I started off in the fitness industry. That's how mm -hmm. I jumped into space. And a lot of these girls that were doing these programs and making these eBooks, I mean, my client, we got from 400,000 to 1.6 million. Mm. She was 22 years old, making a million dollars a year. I mean, her <laughs> overhead other than my team was her gym membership. I mean, that was her overhead. Like, it's insane. Like I was looking at this thing going, when she originally came to me, she was making 400,000. And I looked at this and said, this can't be real. Like you're not made, you're making $30,000 a month off of the fitness eBooks. Like I had an eBook on my website. I couldn't get a free email address. Right. <laughs> right. She's over here crushing it. So it was really weird to me on, it just kind of blew my mind. Uh, initially I thought it was probably, probably some like Russian fraud credit card ring that I was going to be a part of or something, but it was legit and it just really, really took off. and It was kind of crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned, you know, it previously people could charge whatever they want to. Has that become more defined now kind of across industry spaces or number of followers that you have? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't. Right. So, I mean, I think there's websites you can go to and say, hey, if you have somebody on YouTube and they have this many subscribers, you should pay them this. Mm -hmm. What I recommend everybody's because one of the biggest issues that started off with brands and what people are recommending is go find somebody with, you know, has a million followers because if they have a million and somebody has a half a million, the one that has a million must be better. Right. Cause they have more right. eyeballs and that's not necessarily true. And I think mm -hmm. that's a, 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 one of the things in the industry that I think that we're looking to change is like, don't just look at follower count. Yeah. Right? Follower count is a metric, but it's not the only metric to look at, right? Because I would rather have 10,000 of the right people than 1 million of the wrong people, right? And so we can go, we can add, you know, I hate to use Kim Kardashian as an example, but they're, you know, an example of, of influencers. You know, I can go grab her for whatever half a million dollars and she has 20 million followers and I think that's epic and great, I get tons of eyeballs, but is it the right eyeballs, right? And so that's yeah. the issue is that, or would I rather work with, you know, a local influencer, somebody that's only got 50,000, but yet they're, you know, I'm selling a yoga product, they're a yoga instructor, that makes more sense than a Kim Kardashian where I'm paying a half a million, right? You have to look at what that is. Mm -hmm. It's also the diversification of who you work with. Um, you know, if you're Pepsi or Coke, then great, you have a billion dollars in your right pocket and right. you can do that for just branding, right? And that makes sense for them because they're looking for overall eyeballs and they're trying to grab millennials between this age group. Um, and usually if you're not, everybody has those types of budgets. And so you have to be a little smarter with your, with how you spend your money. And it needs to be a diversified uh, strategy in the sense that you don't just want to put all of your money into one influencer and pray that it goes well. Um, you know, we found over the years that praying and uh, marketing don't go mm -hmm. well together. Yeah. Just praying. Um, it doesn't usually turn out that well, right? I mean, not that the internet gods aren't listening, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, you want to have a strategy. You want to have something behind that mm -hmm. that you're saying, okay, listen, this is the things that we're going to be doing. When this actually ties back into prices, the, what I always tell people is like, listen, if you think it's a good deal, then it's a good deal, right? What I right. mean by that is you say, hey, you know, this influencer is willing to do this. Or I ask the influencers, they'll say, okay, our budget's $2,500. Like, what would you be willing to do for that? And they say, well, I would be willing to do three Instagram stories. I'll mm -hmm. do uh, something on my blog that, so that, you know, keyword driven. So maybe we get some stuff there. And I'll also do a video. And this, these are the types of promotions I'm going to do. And I just look at it strictly as like a media buy. Like I look at it and go, for $2,500, I think that's fair, right? Because I know it's going to take them. They've got to put the video together. They've got to do right. the editing. They've got to do these things. 
right? And at the end of the day, I think that's going to be good because I need to know what my KPIs are, right? What my key performance indicators mm -hmm. are. And if it's sales, I go, okay, then I'm going to give them $2,500. And if I have to get at least $2,500, right, to break even, then I go, okay, what am I, you know, I'm selling $100 widgets. Great. I've got to sell, sell 25 of those widgets to be mm -hmm. able to break even. And I think that's possible because we have a good diversified strategy and a number of things that are happening, content that's being produced. And then the other thing to this is, do I, in the brief in which you negotiate with the influencers, can I use that content after they've posted? So you can use it on your website. You can use it on your brochure. You can use it as social proof. You can use it in PPC ads, that kind of thing, which is just really important because that content, once it goes live, like on Instagram, it goes live and there's nothing else you can do with it. You have to do, now there's that second phase. In the beginning, we would just do the first phase. You made money, everything was great. Now you've got to kind of, what do you do to keep that campaign going and keep it evergreen? I, I love that. You know, it, it, we often get stuck thinking about all these different marketing campaigns kind of in their own little bubble when really you have to view it as, as part of that larger scope. You know, what is everything that you have going on? How can you repurpose what an influencer helps create for you so that you do have that continual income coming in from it rather than, okay, great. This person posted two times for me and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a frequency thing too. You know, I mean, it's also nice because people also, brand, influencers want to work with, with brands, right? In the sense yes. that they want to work for long term, right? So the idea of it isn't for them just to post once about a shoe or makeup or something. That's not going to get their audience to react to anything, really. Once again, it's a frequency thing. Six years ago, you could post one thing about your blue widget and you could probably have some sales. Now, you know, they say not only in influencer marketing, just in marketing in general, it takes seven or eight times for somebody to see, see a billboard and they see a commercial and they see this. So once again, that's why we talk about more of a frequency type dealing with an influencer. If they see it on multiple platforms, then there's a higher likelihood of their audience going, hey, I think that John really does like this yoga mat, soda, whatever this is, shoes. So mm -hmm. now I think it's something that I would, that I believe in. I think they're being authentic in that sense and that I should go and buy those shoes because, you know, I like them or I like their shoes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I also, it just kind of going back to one of the things that you originally said um, when I asked the question is the audience size. So we ran a campaign for a documentary. They're now on um, Amazon Prime, Netflix, um, you know, kind of all over the place. And rather than partnering with a place with a million followers, we partnered with a place with only 20,000. And that led to a, a huge amount of sharing, you know, for this documentary and a lot of press and everything, just because the, the person running the channels was very engaged with their audience. So any comment, share, like that they got, they wrote back with a link to the, you know, to the video. Um, and so it, that strategy of, you know, rather than going to the, the largest amount of views that you can get, and focusing more on the, the engagement aspect of it can make such a huge difference in, you know, the outcome. And that's really the biggest thing. If people are, if you're a brand or think about working with influencers, don't always look at the follower count because that really, you have to, this is the analogy that I always use is that you have, let's say I open a restaurant here. Let's say I'm in, I'm mm -hmm. in California, right? So, and I open a restaurant and I have 500 people come through my restaurant. Let's say 200 people come through my restaurant. Yeah. Well, I can do what I call shake hands and kiss babies. I can go and thank everybody that go to the table and say, thank you for coming in my restaurant, right? So there goes that engagement. I can get 100% engagement because I can probably get around to every table and thank them. So think yeah. of this as influencers with followers. So if somebody writes 200 comments, in theory, I should have the time to be able to respond to everybody. That's engagement going back and forth. Yes. Now, if I open a restaurant and I have 10,000 people come through on a Friday night, I'm not, my engagement's going to be lower because I can't go and shake hands and kiss babies with every table. So my engagement's gonna be a lot lower. So when you think about follower count, 
if you want, you know, if somebody has a million followers, Kim Kardashian isn't going to respond to 10,000 comments, right? right. So it's going to be a lot lower. She still is going to have some impressions and she's still going to have some eyeballs on that, but there's not going to be that direct relationship. Like if I'm a yoga instructor in Sacramento and this, you know, this, I'm representing a yoga company that has some kind of a patented yoga mat or something, I can respond to those individuals. I can respond to their individual questions. I can get, have that engagement. And we've seen that once again, you can have somebody with 20,000 as you've touched on. I mean, that means I, in theory, should be able to have 10 or 15, 20 of those influencers if I had, was going to be sending one big budget on one person that has 1 million, right? And it's usually what you want to do is it's like an A-B test, right? No different than PPC or anything. You want to say, okay, let's see who moves the needle. Like, let me grab Mm -hmm. a few influencers on YouTube. We'll grab some on Instagram. We'll grab, have two people write blog posts about it. Somebody on YouTube do a, you know, whatever, open video, whatever this may be. And now you see who moves the needle and then you go, okay, this seems to be the type of influencer we're looking for. And this is the type of audience they have because there's all kinds of softwares to pull that. Mm -hmm. Now we think this is probably our perfect client, right? And this is the type of influencer we want to go after. And this is the type of audience we want them to have because we've had good success with that. And there we go. Now we go find that. So really finding the right influencer. One of the things that's funny these days is people, people will call me up and say, yeah, we tried influencer marketing. It just didn't work. I'm like, what did you do? Like, well, we, we <laughs> right. hired one person on Instagram and it just, it just didn't go. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not just that one. You know how many influencers are on Instagram that all have different followings, mm-hmm. different types of millions. So it's, it's not always just hiring one influencer and it going or not going right. because different platforms, there's different, there's a lot of different variables that you have to look at and it's very time consuming. But when you get it down to a point, no different than PPC, if you have the right, right target audience, you have the best product in the world. You don't have the right target audience. You're not going to sell. Same thing with influencer marketing. So you have to test that. That's where I think a lot of people miss that. They're like, oh, I just give them some free product and Johnny picks up my blue widget and takes a picture and then millions of dollars of sales come in and then I go to an island and retire and drink most of the Yeah. Um, well, let's switch just a little bit. Uh, our business and this podcast, we talk a lot about healthcare marketing. Um, how can health centers or health and wellness businesses utilize influencer marketing to grow their brands online? Yeah, I think when it comes to that, I mean, really it just comes down to the the cool part about influencer marketing is there's thousands of different types of influencers. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are, one of the ways you can do it is that you have, let's say if you have a certain thing that, you know, that that your, uh, the healthcare facility uh, deals with, and let's say that's cancer or whatever this may be, there's people online that talk about this. So if they have a Mm -hmm. disease or they have something that's going on, they obviously, like one of my clients is Chris Rudin, and Chris Rudin was just on the Titan Games with The Rock, and right. he's a diabetic, but he's also um, disabled. And so what people will do is they'll reach out to him, the diabetic community will reach out to him. The same thing with healthcare, you know, the individuals can go reach out and say, hey, we love your message, we love what you're doing, do you want to come in the facility, or do you want to mm-hmm. come and speak, or do you want to talk about the things you have going on, your ailments, your struggles, things that have, that have happened in your life. And then, because you have to assume, like we know with Chris, Chris has a huge, huge following when it comes to the diabetic and disability disabled community. So he's going to be a perfect fit. And a lot of the times, the, the, the communities, you guys can go in and take a look at certain hashtags. There's obviously softwares you can use. You can go look certain things up and say, okay, do we think this person, because really what you're doing is this person's an influencer, but they're really going to be kind of a, an advocate or, a, um, or like kind of an ambassador mm-hmm. for your, your facility, right? And so that's where I think things can be get interesting, where people think it has to be like a product, like oh, you have to be selling a product. That's not true. You can find the individual, like we've seen some really great successes. We'll do it with um, like nonprofits or something. We'll reach out to influencers and say, hey, we're a nonprofit that gives, you know, whatever, a million dollars back to, you know, XYZ Cancer uh, Research Foundation. 
And um, we were wondering if, you know, we know in your past that your you know, mom had cancer and that she was able to kick it. We looked at your social media. We were wondering if maybe you'd partner up with us on this program. A high percentage of the time, they'll say yes to that. Now, if I'm pitching right. them a girl, they're like, I don't really know. Like, well, how much money can I make? This is a different deal because you're touching on something that affected their family. And so you see a higher likelihood of people, especially influencers, that want to help out and say, okay, so what are you guys going to need from me time-wise? What do you need from my side to be able to help get the word out? Because obviously you have a good message and you're putting out good stuff. Like, what can I do to help? And so we've seen good, phenomenal results with that because once again, you're tugging on heartstrings. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love that advice. You know, reaching out to somebody who has struggled in their family with whatever ailment, disease, you know, um, that, that your clinic focuses on. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, what current trends are you seeing for health and wellness centers with digital marketing in 2019? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. So it's, it's kind of like with everything else. I mean, I think it comes down to um, content and education. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think what happens is a lot with the health and wellness centers is, and we've seen this is that, you know, when you use, we're doing actually doing this with pharmaceutical companies as well right now, is that when you have, when you're educating the individuals that would be attending the facility, you'll start to see them. And like I said, with pharmaceutical companies, we're seeing this where like with Chris as an example, we talk about certain things that Chris is using uh, different uh, products and stuff and, and pharmaceutical stuff that he's trying. And then what happens is the individuals that like Chris and follow Chris are going to these facilities, these centers mm. and telling the doctors, hey, we really want to try this because um, Chris has kind of told us that this is kind of what it is. And now we're seeing this kind of this grassroots effort of people going out there and recommend, you know, you know, this is the same way you have commercials back in the day. You're watching a commercial that says, hey, if you have this, 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 and this, and ask your doctor for this. Mm -hmm. Now what they're doing instead of TV, which they say use TV, but now they're going after influencers and saying, hey, we can go to this influencer, the influencer will talk about the product or service or the center that they went to. It trickles down and now it goes to the individual. Now the individual are going into the centers and saying, hey, this is what we're looking for. Um, and so the centers can, can do this as well, right? Especially if they're talking about, hey, like the different things, client testimonials, I think are really, really yes. big, right? Of like, hey, this is what we've got going on. This is our facility. This is John. John's been coming in here for two years. Let's tell his story on what he's done, how we've helped him and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because people you know, when you're making these types of decisions, these are big decisions when you're picking a center to go to, right? I mean, this, these are, these are, it's like, if I pick the wrong center, it could be life-changing, right? So how do I know that it's the right center? We're looking at reviews online. We're looking at these types of things. And when you have these actual, you know, heartfelt, you know, testimonials, when clients are talking about the things that have changed and how they've, this center has been able to help them with things, it just becomes, it's, it's at that point, it's like, if you see enough of those and you're going to be sold. I mean, that's, consumers go online. They want to go and look at reviews. And if you have, once again, real testimonials of real people talking about it, video testimonials, uh, the value of that is like exponential. Absolutely. Now, how would a health center track those KPIs? How would they know, it, you know what that return really is? Yeah. I mean, there's a number of ways of doing it. So like if you work with an influencer, what we'll do is we'll create a landing page exclusively for that influencer. Mm. Right, so we'll know that hey, if they're if this influencer brought in these people, they came to this landing page and filled out some information. So it'll be you know xyzcompany.com forward slash Chris Rudin or whatever that may be. Another thing you can do is you can put unique phone numbers on there. So Chris is like, hey, you guys, this is the phone number to call. It's eight eight eight, you know one two three four five six seven. Great. Anybody that calls that, then you can go and look and see how many people have called off that line. Um, there's a lot of different ways of yeah. doing it um, that don't have to be too crazy expensive. But then you, once again, you can kind of see who's moving the needle. So it could be either affiliate driven through landing pages or through a phone number as well. 
Awesome. And those are really easy to implement for your own, you know, for your own health center. Um, lots sure. of companies out there that can easily create those additional phone numbers that go directly to you. So that's great. Yeah. Um, now, what are the top three things that a health and wellness center or business uh, should be doing online to see a return from their digital marketing efforts? Yeah, I think it really comes down to once again, what are your goals, right? It really comes down to what are your clients looking for? Um, and that's what I think a lot of, you know, a lot, well, health centers, but also I think everybody, it's like, you have to think about who is your target audience and where are they going to be looking online, right? Where are they going to be spending their time? And usually, I mean, you have things like Quora where people are asking questions and then you can go on and see what kind of questions are being asked. The reason why we do that, I mean, as a digital marketer, I do it for my clients is mm -hmm. people are asking a question there then, and it has something to do with your, your health center. What you should be doing is looking at that and then creating a blog post around that question. Because obviously people are asking these types of questions, assuming that it'll somehow tie back into your, your health center. Look up keywords as well and then go in and see what people are looking up online. And then you can develop content around that as well. You have to remember that it really comes down to what we think, what most, most business owners think people are looking for online can be very different when they're actually looking online, right? So mm -hmm. when, you, when you're looking at keywords and stuff like that, I always pull a keyword list for clients and go and say, which of these keywords make sense for your, which ones have the highest intent, right? So if somebody says, you know, how do I get X, Y, or how do I get a cure for this? Or, you know, what are the questions that I have for this? Or what do we have? You know, how do I, you know, what are the biggest things I need to worry about if I have this? Those are things that I go, okay, that actually is what our facility, you know, specializes in. Right. So you want to develop content around that. You want to be informational, provide great value and content. And then what's going to happen over time, hopefully if they're in your area, they're going to come in and say, hey, this person really seems to know their stuff. Because once again, between the testimonials, between writing great content and educational content, then somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? This facility seems to be the one that I want to work with because they have great testimonials. And they're also educating the public and, you know, it seems like somebody that knows what they're talking about. So I want to go in there. Awesome. Yeah. We love directing people to Quora. It's such an easy place to look for the actual language individuals are using online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very different what you think. That's the thing is yeah. that people will come to me and say, I think these are our keywords and I'll go and look them up and there's no searches. And I'm like, that's the keyword that you think because it's your facility. So right. you think everybody uses that, but what everybody's really looking for is this and people go, I didn't even think about that. I didn't right. think about the consumer's <laughs> angle. And then it's, so that's what's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then we're even seeing now with, you know, mobile searches, the language people use is, is even different for that. Um, it's much more conversational and less clinical, if you will. So and pay attention to the language folks are using when they come into your facility, when they're booking their appointment. Um, and just, yeah, try and draw from real conversations that you're having. Well, not only that too, and then voice is going to be, that's a whole nother oh, variable, yeah. right? So now we have voice search that's going to be coming about. So yep. it really is, it's, it's, you have to, you have to dumb it down, right? Cause not everybody has a, you know, not everybody's a doctor when they're, we're going to look at <laughs> stuff online. So how do we, you know, the same with blog posts, we write blog posts at an eighth or ninth grade level, right? The yes. idea of this is so that everybody can consume it because not everybody knows the big technical words. Like when I jump on podcasts and I say KPIs, I have to assume that not everybody knows that means key performance indicators. So exactly. I, my first blog, I was throwing out acronyms all over the place. And by the end of the lady's like, I don't know if anybody's going to understand the 19 different things <laughs> you said. And I was like, because I just, we use it every day. And so I don't think that when I think, okay, what do I need to do to, if I'm talking to a consumer, talking to somebody who wants to be educated, I need to explain everything. And so it's the same thing with your centers. You have to think about, this is the word that you're thinking, but how would, how does somebody else say it? Because they don't know the technical terms. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, now, Shane, what's the top strategy that should be followed, but often marketing teams get wrong? Man, this is, this is the question of the day. I, I think it really comes down to um, driving traffic, but driving the right type of traffic. And so mm. I think the problem is, is that people look at metrics of like, oh, we, you know, we receive 100,000 people a month or something like that. I, I am the same thing with influencers and follower count. I, I look at like true metrics in the sense of like, okay, of the right type of traffic. I'd rather have 10,000 of the right type of traffic and pulling from the right communities and then converting those people into leads than having a million people and having a very low conversion rate. So, right. you know, it's, that's not the number one thing. A lot of people come and say, well, can you get us to 100,000 followers or 100,000, you know, uniques a month? And I can, but that's not the right question because 100,000 isn't going to make it so you guys are famous and bringing more people. Mm -hmm. I would rather have 10,000 have a higher conversion rate because it's the right type of traffic. So I think that's one thing that people have to don't, you got to be careful of the shiny metrics, the vanity metrics that you're like, oh, this thing's must be going good because if I hit this number, it's going to equal this. Or back in the day it was like, I need, you know, 10,000 Facebook likes or my, mm -hmm. I'm like, why do you need that? They're like, I don't know. just want to be popular. And I'm like, you don't really need it. <laughs> I can get it for you. I do it. But, but like, what is the goal of that? Other than showing some social proof. I mean, yeah, you probably right. should get a thousand or 2000, but you don't need 10 million. That's not going to, that doesn't mean more people see your ins or your Facebook posts or anything like that. So you have to think about what is that? Is it, uh, and if it's ego driven, you just want more numbers. So more people seem like they like you, that's fine too. Then we can figure that out, but you just have to figure out what your overall intent is. Yes. Yeah. Start with that goal <laughs> and that's be it. truthful about it. If you really just want to appear popular, that's okay. <laughs> we can make you popular at the dance. That's not a problem. But yeah, we'll put the crown on you if you need it. Oh, I have no problem. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, Shane Barker Consulting and your services. Yeah, so we do we do a number of different things, but really we, we like to spend our time doing content. So we write for a lot of big websites. Um, I myself personally write for about 120 websites. Wow. Um, I, I have a team, I'm about a 35 person team. So I can't say that I personally write for them all anymore, but I have a team that, that writes for them, a phenomenal team. So we do a lot of content creation. Our mm -hmm. thing is really, um, really writing epic content and driving traffic to, for, our, uh, for our clients. And the same thing for myself, like I don't have a sales team at all, which I don't know if I'm bragging about that or if that pains me, but I, you know, all of our steps inbound. So that's mm -hmm. because we can drive traffic and convert traffic. So we're really good at that. Um, and then on the influencer side, um, we, I do uh, workshops for brands on how to work with influencers, how to find influencers. In fact, I'm actually going out to the influencer marketing expo. I'm doing a, a, a workshop out there for our workshop here in, in, in well, next week, actually in July excited about that. So nice. that's going to be exciting. And then we have another, I have a course that I'm coming out with on um, how to be an influencer. So if somebody wants to become an influencer and, and learn how to do that, um, I teach at UCLA, which I don't even, this is, I forget about all the things I do. Yes. I, 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 UCLA, I have personal branding and how to be an influencer course. So mm -hmm. everything that I'll be, that are the curriculum that I've put together is based off the UCLA curriculum. Okay. So um, that's kind of where I've been spending my time really on the content and influencer side. Nice. Awesome. That's great. Uh, and then lastly, are there any digital marketing strategies that your team, the 35 copywriters, is currently testing that you don't think many other agencies are implementing for their clients? Yeah, I mean, I hate to give up my secret sauce, but I <laughs> trust you and your audience that they won't tell anybody. But yeah. um, so this is, this is, you're like, yeah, don't worry, they won't. I promise. They're just yeah. going to do it. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Pinky's right. Um, no, you know, the thing, it really, what we've seen that's really been crushing it right now, and I think a lot of agencies are missing out on it, is the revamping of content. So mm. if you write content um, and you, 
this is going to be more like an SEO thing, but if you write great content, let's say it only ends up on page two or three, you really want to revamp that content. What I mean by that is Google loves updated content. So if you wrote a blog post a year ago and it has some type of a keyword and you're only on page two or three, you're not getting any traction from it. What you want to do is revamp that content. You can, there's different levels of revamping, but you can write four or 500 extra words and then you put updated and you can put the new date in there. Google loves that because they see the new updated content. Right, because they don't want to. They don't want to in their feed. They don't want to send stuff and like, hey, this was a blog post written in 2012. If it's marketing, digital marketing, it's changing. You know, every month. So they love that updated content. Um, if that doesn't get you to the first page, and obviously you can do a video. They love the video, especially if you put it on Google. Because last time I or on YouTube, because last time I checked, Google and YouTube are pretty close since they <laughs> each other. Since supposedly, Google, no. supposedly, yeah, they're like, no, no, we don't. There's no preference, and I'm like, yeah, right. How many? Vimeo videos have you seen on the first page of Google? So yeah, exactly. Um, right, yeah. So there's that. You can write content there. You can put a uh, infographic on that that blog post and get backlinks to it. So there's a lot of strategies that can happen to be able to get to the number one. But really, write content, good content, and then revamping of it. As seen, I mean, we've had clients that were on page 100. We haven't even seen them, and then all of a sudden now they're on page one because of the revamping of content. So just depends on how competitive the keyword is. Um, but there's, we've seen phenomenal results with that. I think that's probably my, that's a good one too. We, well, I mean, that's kind of our, was our secret sauce of like, Hey, we can help you crush it if you already have great content. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you for sharing your, your trade secret, the secret sauce. Um, <laughs> and it has been such a pleasure having you on the show before we sign off. Are there any questions I should have asked that I didn't? No, no, you hit on all of them. I mean, that was it. You were asking about, now that I gave up all my secret sauce, yes. I have to find new secret sauce. I, you know, I mean, it's okay. I guess it's a new, next week we'll have to figure out what's the new thing. Exactly. And it is always changing. You know, you can go through, revamp all your content and I'm sure your team will already be working on the next item on the list there. So we have to be ahead of everybody. That's the goal. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really excited uh, that you were able to share the insights that you did on influencer marketing. It's one of those topics that we haven't been able to really touch on too much for, for health centers. So I'm excited that we got, you know, the number one expert in the field. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, thank you again to Shane and Shane Barker Consulting for taking such great time out of his schedule to join us for the podcast today. Um, we talked a lot about influencer marketing, but also Shane shared some incredible insight about content marketing and making sure that you get found online. Uh, in terms of healthcare centers, Influencer marketing is not something that should be overlooked and it should be a part of your broader social media and digital marketing strategy. Again, never put all your eggs in one basket, but definitely give influencer marketing a try. This could be finding somebody who has a member of their family who has been through the process of working with your center or your nonprofit. Um, or it could be somebody in the broader health and wellness field who might have an affinity towards helping you spread your word. In terms of content marketing, make sure that you're going through all of your old blog posts and articles and revamping them and updating them in order to get more of a boost on Google without having to sit down and start writing content from scratch. 
I'll be posting the blog post along with this podcast over at socialspeaknetwork.com, so feel free to check us out over there. Additionally, we are both on iTunes and on um, Podbean, so feel free to follow us on both of those channels. We hope that this podcast episode has been as enlightening for you as it was for me, and thank you again to Shane for joining us today. I'll see you on the next episode.